Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The, the Nonprofit, Nonprofit Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday. Happy January. Happy 2021. Hallelujah. Still can't say it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. We survived. We did it. Well, let's hope so. I mean, we are still recording this on December 29. Oh shit, that's right. We still have a few days. days. (laughs) Anything could happen. But hopefully, all of our listeners out there, you are ringing in the new year. Um, you might even be back to work today. Uh, good luck, if that's you. And uh, here's to 2021. Right? Let's put 2020 in the rear view. <laughs> <laughs> well, I need to give a disclaimer. Um <laughs> I think we should start every episode with Brittany's disclaimers, Brittany's (laughs) apologies. I hit record, okay? But I am recording live um, on location. (laughs) (laughs) Live on secret location. This is going to be one of those memories that when we talk back, um, when we do another look back maybe a year from now to remember things that we did when we got started and how we probably wouldn't do that this way again, that's kind of what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. So I am in my RV, that's recreational vehicle, <laughs> and I am holding my microphone because I forgot the stand. And I am talking into a box, so hopefully the uh, vocals aren't total shit. (laughs) And I'm staring at Nia over the top of this box. She can just see my eyes as I'm looking into my cell phone. We will definitely share a screenshot of the current setup on our socials. But this is all meant to prove that you can podcast anywhere, right? Anywhere, anytime, any way, quite frankly. True. This is helping me get towards my goal of living full-time RVing on the road and to see if it's actually possible to still have a podcast while doing it. The jury's out still. The jury is definitely out. But many, many thanks and kudos to my partner in crime who is going with the flow (laughs) and saying, fuck it. Let's just see what happens. We'll see what happens. So So how how was your Christmas? It was great. Had a great time. Survived. Felt like it was a real marathon to the finish. Um, But, uh, yeah, everyone had a great time and glad it's over. How about you? Well, first off, we've gotten some listener requests. Um, Did the girls receive a random puppy? 
<laughs> they did not. Ah, uh, shoot. No. I know. It, and it might have um, diminished their Christmas spirit just a little bit, but there's been multiple reminders that um, Santa doesn't always just bring a random puppy mm-hmm. because you ask for it. Mm-hmm. One of my friend's kids also wanted a puppy, um, even though, like, they're not allowed to where they live. There's a good likelihood she's allergic. Like, there's so many reasons why she's not going to get one. But she was convinced her dad was going to give her one because she just believed so hard. And he gave her this clue. And I'm not going to get it quite right, but it was like, your gift is both simple and complex. And she was like, it's a puppy. I was like, I don't (laughs) – I have never heard of a puppy that is simple and uh, no, it's uh, it's an allowance, basically. That's what she's getting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember those days. I mean, I asked for a dog my entire life. And it wasn't until I moved out on my own and I was in, we had rented a home and I was in that house less than a week. And I'm like, I'm going to get a dog. And I went out and got my first puppy and I just bawled. I was crying. I was so happy because I was just like that little girls, just like my little girls, except my little girls have a puppy. They have a dog. (laughs) Oh, poor Roscoe. I know. I know. We were cleaning out our basement yesterday and found the list of all of the kittens that we went to visit about 10 years ago when we got our second cat. Um, and like, wait, wait, you had like a spreadsheet. Well, potential cats. So we were there on July 5th and apparently that is a hot day for adopting animals. We were literally there for eight hours before we got a cat. What? Yeah. And so we get there and we say, we, we just, we want a kitten and we want a female because we already had a male cat and he was already dominant, you know, don't want to disrupt that. And so they just give us this printout, and they were like, okay, well, uh, good luck. And so we found the sheet where we had, like, marked off, like, ooh. Is this at the Humane Society? This was at the Dumb Friends League in Denver. Okay. And we had, like, marked off, like, oh, too skittish, doesn't play well with other cats, really cute. And then we had highlighted, uh, her name was originally Maya, and now it's Addie, uh, the cat we got. I don't know why we still have that piece of paper in the basement, but it was a nice walk down memory lane. I've never heard of such a thing. I've never heard of such a process. Oh, my gosh. We were there after hours, and they literally put us in this room with three kittens, and they're like, we got these this afternoon. They haven't even been booked in, so you can pick one, but, like, they're going to have to stay to be spayed or neutered and get their vaccines and all of that. But here, play with the cats. And they just left us there for, like, 90 minutes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, How fun, though. That's hard. That's hard to have to pick from so many. I know. Kittens are so cute. I mean, when we got Figaro, we went in, and basically they had two kittens, and one was gray, and one was black and white, and our cat who had just passed was gray. And so I was like, I can't get, like, a quote-unquote replacement replacement cat. So black and white it is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, luckily, he turned out to be a really great cat. Yes, that's true. Who you've seen recently. I have. Uh, Figaro is uh, alive and thriving in his current environment where he gets to rule the entire house. Thank you. Thank you for checking in on him. 
<laughs> How was your Christmas? Uh, well, it was similar to my Thanksgiving, long and exhausting. Um, mm. And, you know, I think definitely between the Zoom fatigue and pandemic fatigue, it hit hard of like how this was not a normal Christmas. Um, but we all put on happy faces and tried our best, had some games, um, played some fun things. Um, but the one, I think, real silver lining is just all the time I'm getting with my husband, which has been so fun. Um this is our first time ever at our own home over Christmas. Um, so wow. that has been different. He made an amazing prime rib for us for Christmas Day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the taking the good with the bad. Uh, last night, okay, so my husband, he doesn't play games. He doesn't do puzzles. He, he hates all that stuff. But for Christmas with one family, we did a gift exchange, like a Secret Santa kind of thing. And you had to choose a game or a puzzle. Like, it was meant to be an activity as the thing you wanted. Well, of course, he didn't chime in. And so I picked for him. And I picked a Smokey the Bear puzzle. Uh, oh. Which we got yesterday in the mail. And uh, he and I sat there and put it together for, like, two hours last night while listening to podcasts about Colts. And it was the most fun night. <laughs> That sounds awesome. It really was. And I think hey, he genuinely enjoyed it. You know, we've had um, some listener questions as well about you wanting to know if all of your packages, all of your Christmas gifts made it to their recipients in time. No. So, uh, well, first off, <gasps> your husband, you know, he didn't get his before. Oh, that's right. So I, I do have it now. Um, it'll, it came. It came. There is still one package outstanding. Um, it, it marked in, in Indiana in De on December 19. And then again, yesterday on the 28th, it again confirmed it was still in Indiana. So I don't think that package is leaving the Midwest. <laughs> you should just have it rerouted to your family in Michigan or something. <laughs> I know. It'd probably get to me faster at this point. I know. I'm going to send my dad down to Indiana to pick it up for me. <laughs> Well, I am just so impressed with your system, how you got everybody's names on their gifts and spreadsheet and when they had to be sent. And so that's not your fault. I don't want yeah. you. Thank you. I mean, let's show some self-compassion. Don't be too hard on yourself that you couldn't have, you couldn't have stopped that. That was beyond your control. You know, the one big faux pas that I'm not getting a lot of grace over, um, apparently our Christmas card did not make it to my mother-in-law. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, she definitely brought that one up. <laughs> As if I would like somehow but, intentionally exclude her from the mailing. Well, we just got a package yesterday that, I mean, it was just an envelope, a large envelope, but it was sent on the 14th and we just got it yesterday. Oh my gosh. Wow. So tell her to give it time. All right. Well, here we go. 2021. What are we talking about today? So when we did our live taping, we did a nice... Which was so fun. So fun. Loved that. So fun. Yeah. We had a nice prediction episode specifically on philanthropy. We kind of dabbled into fundraising a bit. But it wasn't a full predictions episode. And uh, since that has now become our thing, is making predictions and seeing how wrong Telling they the are. Telling the future. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we need a more full picture of 2021 for the nonprofit sector. So here is our full predictions of the year ahead. 
play prediction music here. What's prediction music? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's where we have to come up with a um, a theme song. Okay, I'll work on that. <laughs> no, I won't. All right. So last time we did predictions, we you had an article. Is there that we read and had some questions on it? Remember that last year? I do remember that. I don't have that again. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't know if they came out with a new one and we were going to talk about that. Not as of yet. Um, again, we are recording this in December, listeners. So all of the lovely like year in review, um, year ahead stuff hasn't fully published yet. So um, we just get to go off the cuff, you know, whatever we're, whatever we're feeling, whatever we're manifesting for the year ahead. Okay. Well, I know last time we had talked about feeling good about year end. Yes. Because predicting in the future, it's always helpful to know kind of what is currently happening and if that trend is going to continue. Yes. So I'm curious from you and your clients, have you continued to see success at year end? I mean, we have three days left. Yes. Um, all of my clients as of right now, I mean, those who I've been helping with fundraising, have hit their year-end goals three days in advance, which is fantastic. Wow, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And now we have seen some movement um, at a federal level with some aid. Now, whether or not that's actually going to trickle down to nonprofits or not, we don't know, and it technically hasn't passed yet. But, you know, a couple weeks ago, there was no kind of stimulus anything in sight. So it, it, it passed. It got signed. Oh, it did. I Well, hey. <laughs> Yay! Look at that. <laughs> That's awesome. Clearly, um, living out of the RV, I'm not as tuned in and connected. Uh, understandable. <laughs> Well, there you go. Yeah, so we do have some more stimulus money. We've got another round of PPP loans available. Um, so, yeah, a little bit. I know um, there were definitely folks in the sector who were advocating and lobbying for a lot more for nonprofits specifically that did not hit this bill. Um, but they are hoping with the change in administration um, and progression of the, the pandemic that hopefully there'll be some additional relief coming soon. So that's a huge plus. Yes, yes. For 2021. Because mm -hmm. I know just even, you know, a month ago when my organization was budgeting for next year, it was like, oh, I don't know. I mean, we weren't, we weren't expecting any of that. Mm -hmm. So here's a question. When do you think you'll be back to working in office more than half of the week? And are you asking me specifically, you specifically in my Well, it's kind of tough because my organization um, runs a program that we're really trying to limit outsiders to. So um, that being said, I think it's going to be a little bit longer for me than it would be maybe for, I don't know, my husband who works for the city mm -hmm. and, you know, could be outside. I'm saying probably not until midsummer. Give me a month. July. July. Okay. Putting that in the books. We're going to check back in July, see if it's happening. 
But I still do not think we're going to be having a lot of in-person, big in-person events by then. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, when do you think that we'll have big in-person events? Big in-person events? I'm thinking not till... Indoor. Indoor. I'm thinking 22. I'm thinking it's not happening next year at all. Because, again, even if it became safe, like the planning time that goes into that... It wouldn't allow it to happen next year because we won't – like, there, there's just too too much of a runway needed in order for that to occur, in order for um, capacity limits to change, in order for all of that to happen. I'm thinking we're not having big impersonal events till 22. I am going to make the caveat that I think it's going to be different for various areas of the country. Almost certainly. Colorado Springs, it's happening tomorrow. <laughs> I just threw an entire city under the bus. You completely did. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been able to see a little bit of the country lately, and I'm not in Colorado anymore. I'm not in Boulder County anymore. Yeah, that's Let me for put sure. it that way. I'm recognizing that people are living very, very different realities. Yes. Yes. And I'm grateful to be contained to my little um, moving bubble Mm -hmm. here. But, um, yeah, it's kind of opened my eyes to why the hell we're in this crisis (laughs) in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So you listening, if you live um, in Colorado Springs or... (laughs) Somewhere in the middle of Missouri. We just lost all of our Southern Colorado <laughs> listeners. I'm so sorry. Um, you might be having them earlier. And if you are, I want to hear about it. Not to slam you or throw you under the bus. I'm just, like, really curious about how the um, the slow roll into it mm-hmm. is going to look like. Well, I'm really curious about that, too. I was even thinking, like... Do you start asking on registration forms, have you been vaccinated? Like, can you do that? I I don't know, <sighs> but can you imagine who's like who's gonna be the first organization to break the seal? I know. It's that is gonna be fun to watch. Not, me, not, not it. Not me. it. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, the liability, yeah. like how shitty would that be? Oh, exactly. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, okay, so you you want to assume people have been vaccinated and that's why they feel comfortable coming. But if they don't and there's an outbreak, it still traces back to your organization. I know. I'm really curious, just like you were asking, about how um, – what is the word I'm trying to say? How every day people, whether or not they've gotten vaccinated, becomes. Like, how public knowledge that is. I was talking to someone, I don't think you were there. I was talking to someone and they were joking about how that's going to become, like, on dating profiles online. No, that was me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, no, I'm the funny one. That was me. (laughs) Well, my husband and I watched Contagion earlier this week, because why not? And uh, they gave... Because you're living it. Right. Well, it was really interesting, though, like how how accurately predictive it really was. But anyway, they gave everybody wristbands once they got inoculated. And I was mm. like, oh, that's an interesting thing. And then you would, like, scan them to be like, yep, I got, I got my vaccine. Oh, my gosh. The people who 
think that the vaccine is going to track them in a way for government control really doesn't like what you just said. Oh, most that certainly. That plays right into that theory. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, folks, that was a movie. I don't think that's happening in real life. I've heard nothing about government wristbands. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but... On the flip side, there is this, and this is what I keep hearing, well, our donors, they really want connection and they really want to um, be in person. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I think that's the push and pull, right, is that, you know, we're constantly, as these organizations, have to be responsible and and think about the health and safety of all of our staff and our guests but then there is this kind of real, like, when things start opening up, people have a desire to reconnect. Mm-hmm. So here's another prediction. I think summer 2020, we are going to see the number of outdoor events go up pretty significantly. I mean, yes. we saw a number of organizations already kind of pushing that a bit this past year. I think that's going to go up a lot um, because you're going to have, you know, a at least a, a a statistically significant amount of the population vaccinated. You're going to have folks feeling like if you're outdoors, you're safe. Um, yeah. And yeah, like the pandemic fatigue at that point, it'll be over a year that we've been living like this. People are just going to want to be out and about. And, and so I think we'll see a lot of outdoor events this summer. So not to make this all about events, because we do want to talk about other areas of philanthropy, but um, I'm curious because this came up in our live taping about hybrid events. Yep. And you and I haven't really talked about it that much. So I was curious what your thoughts are and, um, you know, the pros being that if you have some in person, but it's limited and it's socially distanced and safe, but then you also have kind of an online component. So you still have that accessibility that we have seen, this increased accessibility with these virtual events. But the other, the con of it being that it, the cost of it, Mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, the way, and we talked about this, the way to make up some of the lost revenue with these virtual events is by not having these extravagant costs that are associated with in-person events. But if you're doing both, now you're paying for the upgraded technology to have a virtual platform and you're paying for, you know, brick and mortar space for in-person. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I mean, I know I've shared some of this before, but um, I, I think it's just coming even more into focus for me. So we know that events, especially gala type events, um, you know, high ticket price kind of events already exacerbate inequities. Right. Now we start rolling them out at the tail of a pandemic, a pandemic where the way we're getting out of this is a vaccine, a vaccine that we know is not going to be universally available that we know comes with it real concerns. Um, Actually, no, I want to restate that. We as a country, as a medical system, have created distrust because we've taken advantage of people of color, because we have put them into places and we've taken their cells. We We have allowed them to be sick 
when we could have gotten, made them better. We have created a system of distrust. And now we're expecting people of color to somehow start trusting the system again. So bring that into a gala space. When we have a, a population who is not going to have access to this vaccine, but we start having in-person events, we're saying you're not needed here. You're not wanted here. Sure. Yeah. So all, all of those issues that already existed with galas are going to be amplified in this. I, I, it's not post-pandemic. It's like waning months of pandemic spaces if we don't create a hybrid option. If we don't allow people to to zoom in to participate from home, and and so I think that's that's the big question for organizations: Are you okay saying you only want healthy, able-bodied, rich, probably white people at your events? Right, man. And here we are, where we have um, because we had no other option. For lack of a better term, I mean, they had the choice to attend or not, but force people into this virtual environment mm-hmm. that maybe they otherwise would not have opted into. And it worked. I mean, it doesn't replace the magic that happens in the room, mm-hmm. but it worked. And so, I mean, I think that that's what I brought up last time. And I still kind of ponder. I don't know what that's going to look like. And I'm so excited to kind of see how it evolves is... Um, how do we keep some of that? You know, mm-hmm. how do we, now we've been shown another way, how can we use that to kind of break down the inequities that you're talking about? Mm-hmm. But in a way, and again, it goes back to what you're saying of it might cost more to do that. Yeah. And But what are your values? Exactly. Like, I think that's where the rubber meets the road. If you aren't willing to put the money time, energy into creating a solution that works for everybody? Are you actually living your organization's values? Probably not. Yeah. And I I mean, I know this, I want to be very clear, the story I'm about to share. I'm not saying that I understand what it's like to live with a lifelong disability or a chronic illness, but um, a couple years ago, I broke my foot. I was in a cast on a scooter um, during the holidays, which was just shit. Um, and it was during this time when there were a lot of events. Um, you and I went to one together and it was fucking miserable. Yeah. I, I couldn't navigate the space. I couldn't get to the items. Um, I had to like have them rearrange our table just so I had a place to sit. It was awful. And, and I couldn't fully participate. Um, and I kept thinking, gosh, this is just for a broken foot. If I had a more significant physical disability, if I if I was in a wheelchair, screw it. I wouldn't have been there at all. Right. Yeah. And so, again, here we have this kind of forced opportunity to reevaluate. And we have to. Yeah. Man, it'll be great. I'm excited. Well, I don't know if it'll be great. But <laughs> I, I'm just <laughs> That's me being positive, but I'm just saying I really look forward to flash flash forwarding a year from now mm-hmm. and kind of see what was kept, what was what evolved, what changed. Um, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Well, so what about um, funders? Well, I know we talked about this a lit with the a lit a bit, a little bit a lit um, with the philanthropy episode um, where we we talked about how just funders are shifting and changing. And I, 
I actually, I just did a grant report for a funder last week for a client. Oops. And, um, and it was great to see how streamlined they had made the report. And then they even asked for feedback. And this is the first yes. time that I've seen a funder actively yes. ask for feedback. Now, of course, it was in the context of a grant report. It was tied to the organization. So it's not like I was going to be fully open and transparent about their shortcomings. But I thought it was a really great step. And I'm hoping kind of a, one of those initial steps that we're going to see continue to amplify next year where funders want transparency, they want um, better relationship with their grantees, where they're reducing the burden on their grantees, where they're really trying to be in partnership. Yeah. I t uh, well, I wonder if it was the same grant. We'll talk about it afterwards. But we had the uh, same thing happen, and I was really surprised. Um, there's a part of me, I'm just like so jaded after all these years, like, Wait a minute. Is this a trick? <laughs> <laughs> Do they really want this feedback? Um, but I think you're right. I think that there's been more emphasis put on that this year and that um, funders are taking note. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that's um, looking positive for the future of changing some of those ridiculous requirements for those applications. Mm -hmm. I don't know why this sparked this thought, but I, I have to share it because I thought it was really funny. So uh, driving around this week, listening to Colorado Public Radio, shout out to CPR, um, and there was an ad on it for, I think, an Audi dealership um, that sponsors them and has given them a car that they can use for reporting. And they very specifically in the ad included that that was donated. And I bet you anything, they've got some sort of you know, marketing on the car itself that says it's donated. Because if you saw a CPR reporter pull up in an Audi, what are you going to think about that organization? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they're like, this is sweet. Thank you for giving it to us. But I can't be driving this around representing <laughs> a nonprofit. I mean, the fact that they put that in the radio ad just cracked me up. I mean, those those dynamics, though, like they play out and obviously CPR is savvy enough to know that they want to get ahead of it. <laughs> That's so funny. We were um, driving these last couple of days and listening to podcasts as well. And I was listening to catching up on one that I'd been meaning to for a long time. And they did an ask Ooh, nice. at the beginning of the episode. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny because we listened and then I turned to Gabriel and I'm like, that was really well done. Did you hear how they said this, this, and this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, great ask. Good job. Well, similarly, we, we were driving around and um, a local nonprofit ran an ad on the radio. And my husband turns to me and he goes, are they any good? And I was oh. like, what? He was like, that nonprofit. Do they do good stuff? And I was like, oh, all right. That's a good question. Yeah, let's talk about it. Because <laughs> he also assumes I have the dirt on every nonprofit in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> well, the ad worked, right? It piqued his interest. We had a conversation. Yeah. All right. So I'm going all the way back to one of the first things that you asked me in this episode, which was about when I thought I was going to go back to work. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is when we talk about 2021 and changing of practices, you know, obviously we've talked about philanthropic trends, but what about just like operational trends? Right. 
And are we going to continue to have so many things happen virtually over Zoom? Are those going to go back to in-person? Um, I know where I work, we own our building. Um, doesn't mean that we couldn't rent that space out. But um, a lot of organizations rent their buildings. Mm -hmm. And um, I could see a lot of them saying, we don't really need that anymore. Well, we're seeing that in the tech industry where they're not renewing leases. They, they've figured out how to go fully remote. They want to maintain that. Um, and so I do think it, it presents some really interesting questions. Um, I think the biggest threat, though, is for nonprofits who are feeling cash-strapped to decide that they're going fully remote without thinking about how they're going to maintain their culture, how they're going to ensure that staff is still able to fully integrate, how to not create silos between, you know, like the on-site program staff and the at-home admin staff. Yes. Because we, we've seen that, but there's also been this thought like, okay, it's temporary. Well, what happens when that becomes permanent? Yes. I think that's so true. Um, and I think that there becomes, you know, depending on how big the organization is, there's potential for there to be, have even more silos. Absolutely. Because then you have departmental silos, um, not just program versus admin, but maybe like finance mm -hmm. versus development versus, you know, whatever that, that maybe looks like. Um, so you know, we've brought that up before too, of how do you maintain that culture within the organization when everybody is so divided? Yep. Yep. Well, what do you think about like technologically? Well, I know we talked about this, like, I think it was the episode called the virtual pivot where organizations are finally adopting technology. Um, we're still seeing though, an, a really interesting lag. And part of it is this lack of investment. Like, mm -hmm. um, Okay, so this is kind of funny. Um, my husband and I went to a virtual comedy show this week, um, and it was on Zoom. So you logged in, but your your name had to match the name um, on your ticket. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends was also going to it. Well, her Zoom, of course, is shared with her entire office. Yeah. And so she's logging in as her boss. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah. like, get your own Zoom accounts. Why, yes. why are we still struggling with this nine months into the pandemic? So like it, it's been so interesting where there's been this continued reluctance to truly invest. It, it's still this like piecemeal, what, what's the bare minimum we can get by with instead of saying like, we are all in. The pandemic isn't over. We need to just equip our team with the technology they fucking need. Yes. Yes. Well, here's the thing. So it's a year from now, let's just assume, and everybody's vaccinated or, you know, whatever, the percentage they need and yada, yada. Um, so we're all good. We're all good to go. Do you think Zoom continues to be an option? So when I'm reaching out to a donor to meet with them a year from now, I'm saying, hey, I'd love to get coffee with you and tell you about kind of what we did this year and what was up. Um, let me know if you um, have some time available to get a cup of coffee, come by for a tour, have a phone call, or jump on a Zoom chat. Yeah. Do you think we're going to be doing that? Absolutely. For sure. You know, I, I know we've talked about, too, how, like, it's – the pandemic has created a different pace of life, both – 
in that it's like amped things up, but it's also allowed us to just be in our home spaces more. Um, and so I think I, I'm hoping actually that we are more discerning going forward just as individuals about like what needs to be in person, where do I need to spend the time to drive, pay for parking, yeah. go in, have an in-person meeting versus like, let's jump on a quick zoom. Um, so I think we need to continue to allow all of those options, um, when appropriate going forward. Um, I, w- I was thinking about this the other day of like pre pandemic, I spent so much time scheduling meetings and I would like try to bundle. Okay. These are my two days in Boulder a week. Here's my one day in Denver. These, this is my at home day. And it would always implode like midweek, no matter what. And so then I couldn't use any of my scheduling tools because I was in all different places. Well, I've stopped having to schedule things because I just use an online scheduler because I'm always in the same location. And so I just think about the amount of time I've saved with not scheduling meetings and then not driving to meetings and then not having to walk between meetings. Like, I would love to find a a better balance in my life. And I'm thinking others will as well. I, I, I hope I'm not entirely alone in this going forward, which means we have to allow all the options. Do you think we'll finally let go of the, like, oh, she's, air quotes, working from home today? God, I hope so. But we're still seeing it, so no. I, I don't think Ugh. that's happening. I'm, I'm still hearing that from clients. I'm still hearing it from friends who are getting flack for shit. Um, so no, that's not going away. I know. I Call me crazy, but I, I, I really hope that there is a reevaluation of productivity. Yeah. And what the definition of that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this year has been insane on so many different levels. Uh, just juggling multiple things at once and at one time and, you know, meshing personal life with professional life and all those kinds of things. Right. But I think that there's still like you're talking about this running from meeting to meeting and driving and there is a a layer of maybe chaos that has simmered down mm-hmm. because it's been forced to yeah. because now going meeting to meeting is just like jumping out of one screen and into another <laughs> and so i agree with you that it would be great to be able to carry some of that simplicity forward mm-hmm. whatever that looks like yeah well, I'm sure you get this too. Like I, I get a number of requests from people of like, Hey, can I just, can I buy you a coffee? I want to, I want to pick your brain, which is just an awful term side note. Um, yeah. but like, or somebody connects us. I think you two would have some synergies. I, I think I'm done wasting my time and my Ozo money. Shout out to Ozo best coffee in town. Um, with people I don't know. Sponsorships available. <laughs> That would be amazing. Oh, my God. I'd be so happy. Um, but, yeah, I, like I'm done wasting my time on that stuff. Uh, yeah, maybe we should connect. But half the time, it's a 15-minute conversation that needs to happen, and it's done. But when you're in person, there's this, like, pressure to keep it going because now we're both here right. and we've committed to it. Social etiquette. Yeah. yeah. Let's just let those be phone calls. Or Zoom calls. Yeah. Maybe. well i think it's going to be fascinating a year from now are we 
are we taping in the same room? We would be, but I'm on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) You're inoculating babies in Burma? (laughs) I... I said this to my husband the other day. We are not spending any extra money the next six months because that is going into our travel fund. Um, Travel and all the things we haven't been doing. Like, I cannot wait till next fall when I'm like, you want brunch on a Tuesday, friend? Yes, we are getting brunch on a Tuesday. You want a pedicure? Totally. I had one last week. I'm getting another one because I haven't done anything (laughs) like that in months. (laughs) I know. Now is the time when we should be thinking about what are those areas that are going to take off and invest in them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. All right. Well, I don't know. Congrats to everybody for getting through 2020. What a fucking year. Uh, thank God it's 2021. And uh, let's let's just keep hoping for the good stuff to come quickly. And I'm going to hope that by the time this airs, um, Ohio State's going to be going to the national championship. I'm just saying. Sure, because it matters so much this year. <laughs> Hey, I'll take what I can get. If it's going to happen, I might as well be excited about it. (laughs) Enjoy. Take it. But we want to hear from you. What are your predictions for 2021? Um, Do you agree with some of the things that we said? Do you disagree? We'd love to hear that, too. Uh, You can reach out to us by... Emailing at nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I will certainly be posting up a photo of the current setup on Zoom uh, where you can see Brittany in her RV glory. Um, We've got some (laughs) other great content going out. Um, I also just want to make sure everybody's ready because we do have our multi-parts series on the donor cycle coming up. And it is much more fun and sexy than that made it sound. (laughs) (laughs) and i hope that everybody i mean by the time you're listening to this the year end is year over and i hope you had a really successful one but now here we are the new budget cycles begin it is 2021 new year and um as you've heard, it's going to be just as important to be giving in 21 as it was in 20. So if you have capacity, please support your local nonprofits, give and give generously. Thanks, everybody. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.